Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes, We need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 40 of Extra War, recorded live on July 12th, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the Darksiders series. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show with us tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, and last but not least, we have our own master social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How's the week treated you so far? Just the two of us can make it if we try. Just the two of us. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I'm, See, I wasn't, I wasn't so going to follow up the question, but you know, now since you're singing, um, I, I did have I mean, a request to, to uh, get a status update on the whips from Guardian Con. You know, I have... I have one physical whip from Guardian Con. I did get a few tweets at tweets added at me of a few other whips, which were really cool. And I've been seeing a lot more whips online, so <laughs> the whips are coming in. The whips are They're coming compiling. in from online. I mean, it could be much worse. <laughs> I, you know, okay. Story time. Doom story for zombies. Time. Our, mis- <laughs> our Mr. Prankster, our our yearly prankster. Last year got Justin with the top three prank and this year got me um warned me luckily but also scared the bejesus out of me with his like warning because i knew this whip thing was going to be the big thing that everyone was going to try to prank me on right and doom's like oh i've got something for you and i'm sitting here thinking oh dear god please let it be pg please let it be pg i don't want anybody getting like pulled over and having a whip like a like physical whip, like a bull whip attached to them. I'm just waiting for him to like show up with like a Indiana Jones thing and just. At, and of course, I see him over by Lady Desiree, and she's like playing the most beautiful rendition of Rise of Iron. And I'm like, oh my god, I see Doom. Oh god, oh god, here it comes. And he pulls out of his jacket because he has the same jacket that he wore last year when he had the two hot dogs that he gave to Justin. <laughs> And pulls out a piece of paper and just holds it up like a like a kid at the airport waiting for his mommy to get off the plane and just shows it to me. And it's this whip of uh, a work in progress of a drawing that he did of Wicked, which I found out later. He had Wicked 
and this is it i i'm gonna start laughing and crying a little bit at the same time he had wicked jump into the to a pvp match with him in at the citadel which is my favorite pvp map and stand there as he drew this <laughs> And Wicked told me about this later, and I'm like, oh my god, this is like the most perfect whip I could ever have received, because you had to be a live model for him. <laughs> this is great! So, send me a whips. <laughs> but seriously, please make sure they're drawings. <laughs> Don't send me your whips. But I, it was, I still have it. It's actually on sitting on my piano next it's, to It's actually right on now. her fridge. She put a magnet on it. I, you know, I could... <laughs> It it deserves that honor. It totally deserves to be on my fridge. It was amazing. Oh. And it was just, oh my gosh, yes. I appreciate it. That was my physical whip that I got at Guardian Con. It still sounds really wrong for me to say that, but <laughs> I don't care. It was great. It was a good time. So thank you, Doom for Zombies. Anyway, <laughs> that is my story time. And I'm going to go back to being quiet. Uh, week has been good. Week's been good. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> so we don't really have a question for the community, but uh-huh. you know, I think we kind of talked about this a little bit during the um the top 3 which will be coming out uh Wednesday this week. But, you know, I think maybe what we could do right here is like, you know, kind of chat do what what are you familiar at all with the game dark or the series Darksiders green. Am I? Mm-hmm. My familiarity with the game comes primarily from RP because okay. the the woman that I RP with as she plays Mara and I play Petra, she also runs a Fury account. And most of my questions and, and my exposure to Darksiders itself has come through her. Because I've, I'll ask random things because she'll she'll post her RP starters, and that's very strong female character type, but mm-hmm. also kind of doesn't take any slack from anyone. But uh, it's it's been an interesting exposure. Wicked's kind of talked to me about it a little bit, but mostly it's it's been through this Fury RP account. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, that's and that's so, fair. Um, so you, to, it's, <clears throat> you haven't played any of the games then basically is, I have not. Okay. I, uh, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Right. I, right. It was just one of those things that never was on my radar. I didn't know anything about it. And the initial game style was something that I was a little turned off of because mm-hmm. I don't like the big bulky. I don't, and this is going to get, catch me flack from Beard if he ever hears this. I don't like the giant swords thing, which is a real big thing in the game, it seems. Like, war has a humongous sword, like yeah. the anime sword. Which is funny, though, right? Because you're also a big fan of Fable. Right. It Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, But I guess but Fable... Fable was cute cartoony. Yeah, I guess... Darksiders is gritty. Yeah, Darksiders is more of like the World of Warcraft-esque type of thing. I guess it's more of that gritty reality though. It's not right. Re- like it's, it's kind of like a weird cross right between the, the fable cartoony. And then like, I kind of get, it's more like a cell shade. It's not cell shading, but it's more of that right. type thing. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, okay. So I, like I have played uh, the first title and most of the second title. Um, off and on and I like we were kind of talking again we were talking about this in top three it's like this is this has actually gotten a 
me back interested in going back and playing because I want to play now. I want to, yeah, I want to totally. play three is actually the one that I want to get to, right. uh, because, I and we'll, we'll get, Fury. yeah, oh we'll gosh. get, we'll get into that because she's a cool character. She is a fascinating character. Um, mm-hmm. not just from a mechanic standpoint and, and, Darksiders 3 apparently is notoriously one of the more difficult ones to play. It's very, very akin to Dark Souls as far as, like, the level of unforgivingness. So take that for what you will. Um, Fair warning. Yeah, fair warning there. But before we dive into the summary of it, I'm going to run through our quick, just the quick, you know, housekeep notes, um, and then we'll get right into it. In our last Exorlore episode, we took a brief look at Anthem. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate and, if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore with a special focus on the Destiny universe. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary for the chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will be the home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward as well. Extra Lore for July is going to be a discussion on the lore of the Witcher series, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that conversation. All right, so, yeah, and chat's talking about that right now as well, the the whole thing with uh, the aesthetics, which is, it's, it's, it is, it's a very uh, unique aesthetics, right? Um, and I guess really kind of as a, a high introduction, a high-level introduction to this thing, um, the one of the big important things to remember about Darksiders is it does um, it uses Christian mythology as a starting point, but that's where the adherence to that particular source material ends. So you're going to if you go into it expecting it to be you know a twist on the book of revelations or you know any of that nonsense or not nonsense any of that um i mean it it has that feel well it uses sure. it it uses that concept right it takes the concept of like the apocalypse and the four horsemen that's really and, and this is from the developers themselves they've said this and they did this on purpose um they said you know we took the idea and it like the general idea of this apocalypse and then these are these like four central figures of the apocalypse that just happened to be called horsemen. And then they kind of, they took it and they went their own direction with it, which is actually what I really like what they did with it. Um, But they're, they're still containing a lot of the same character names. Yes. Yeah. 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 Conceptually, conceptually there's names of, of, and there's like the angels and demons. So like concept wise, there's, there's a lot of things there. Um, but I was just saying, you know, like that's that's real. Like, if you see when you see like one of the demons' names is uh, Lucifer, it's like 
it's not going to be the Lucifer from Christianity. It's going to be their own version of that. Um, and there's a lot of really, there's a lot of actually really good uh, summary articles because with Darksiders, I believe four, I want to say is I think coming out or maybe hang on, let me make sure. Cause I know three just came out last November. Um, Darksiders four release date is currently set at last. Well, Darksiders three came out November, last November. Right. Darksiders form is not necessarily confirmed. Not confirmed. Okay. All but confirmed after performance of DS three. Fans have been asking for a game in which they can play the Horsemen in co op mode with friends. If we were ever to get a Darksiders game that offers that feature, then it's most likely to be Darksiders four. There's right. no actual confirmation of a release date though. Right. And so Darksiders three. And we'll, we'll, like I said, we're, I'm going to get into this, but yeah, Dark Hero Three was November of last year. Uh, really, kind of just to give you a, a general feel. I know Green mentioned the mechanics being kind of a turnoff for her initially. Uh, Dark Siders is considered a hack and slash action adventure video game. Uh, it's and it and it lives up to that genre. It really does. It's very akin to uh, God of War is the first one, and then as after the first title. Darksiders 2 kind of started going in their own direction and they entered they started introducing more uh more RPG elements in the second one uh and then that mm-hmm. kind of they kind of doubled down on that feature within the Darksiders 3 release uh, last November. Um the game, you know, just some really quick stats, it was developed by Vigil Games, it was published by THQ. Um Microsoft Windows is uh, no, no. It was released on. It's released on all consoles. Um, PC, I believe, is included on that. Uh, I know it's on Xbox and PlayStation, and I believe it's actually on the Nintendo Switch as well. Uh, I think I saw that coming out. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a game that is not console specific, which actually is where a lot of the interest for Darksiders, you know, kind of got ground was because Darksiders was released back in 2010 and it was right around the time that the God of War series was kind of getting steam going but Dark, uh, God of War was exclusive to the Sony platform it was exclusive to PlayStation uh, so console players on Xbox were you know they they like for me I had played it I had played God of War um, I had a PS2. I had played God of War and God of War 2, but then God of War 3 came out, and it was like it was on a PS3. Well, I wasn't going to... I'm not going to buy a PS3. I didn't buy a PS3. I haven't bought a PS4. Um, so it was one of those... It's the unfortunate side of having console-exclusive games, is I just wasn't able to finish the game for that feature, or for that function. Mm-hmm. So for me, Darksiders was like, I saw it, it was similar to Dante's Inferno, which I think is on our extra list as well. But it was like, it's yeah. that game that had that very same mechanic, or very similar mechanic. And I was like, you know, it's got kind of that same feel. Darksiders especially has the very similar feel to God of War. Um, and I so I picked it up, and I think a lot of people that I've talked to, that, that that's how they got into Darksiders, actually, was because they were also looking for something that was akin to the God of War-esque thing um and that's how they got introduced and then and then once you get introduced it kind of the the story does a really good job uh hooking you um Mm -hmm. and so to kind of to kind of run through real quick the a, a high level summary of the three titles that we have out so far um it's it's important to know with darksiders that the timeline that is followed within the game 
Darksiders is actually both... It's congruent, isn't it? Yes, like, it's parallel to the th- the three main titles um, happen previous and parallel to the re- initial game. So <clears throat> the chronological order, let me grab this real quick. Let me make sure I am reading this correctly. Uh, the chronological order is basically Darksiders, and then Darksiders 2 occurs during the introduction of Darksiders, and then Darksiders 3 is actually happening also con- also parallel to um two and it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of takes place near the the latter half of darksiders so the ending of the first title is actually as far as we've gotten in the story and the re- and uh, it, it'll be kind of apparent but there's a lot going on there's a ton and I mean, it's it's a, because it's most of it's actually massive. right and mostly it's because it's telling the story before darksiders even starts um, because there yeah. it's the story of the universe basically right because again this is this is the apocalypse this is the end time so the whole story is what what has happened up until this point to kind of set the stage for these for these massive characters to actually come you know come head to head um and so in darksiders you know the events in this title are pretty central to the overall series obviously like we were just saying and and so the main protagonist is is the horseman known as war and basically, War is seeking to follow the supposed orders of a a group or a character that's known as the Charred Council. Uh, through this, through these orders, he is actually tricked into beginning the End War or the Apocalypse, and then gets punished by the Council with a sentence of a hundred years imprisonment. So that happens at the beginning, and then following, and so then the game jumps forward. What's that? The, the, you're, you're kind of, I mean, there's kind of a little bit that's a little misleading in that, and it's that Ward doesn't, kn- I mean, he doesn't realize, Ward's not the one who kicks off the apocalypse necessarily. War shows up because of a trickery thing, and then gets blamed for it, and then the council comes and imprisons him for the hundred years. Yeah, well, he he is the one that breaks the final seal. Right, but that doesn't, you that's... don't know that at the beginning. Right. He. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So basically, war is summoned because seals have been broken, mm-hmm. and um, which, if you know the the Christian mythology, right? There's seven. So basically, that. that's similar. Yes. So basically, let me let me pull up my notes on that part because you're correct. Ah, <clears throat> uh, ba ba so have revelations. Yes. Well, and and that's kind of also the point of the entire series is the um the revelation of kind of what is actually going on. Uh cuz war you you first jump in and war is landing on earth. And basically what happens is war arrives on earth where the the end war appears to have started. Uh, and what's happening there is basically the armies of the angels and the armies of demons are, are in just in giant chaos. Uh, and then through the, the introduction of the game, you confront a char- a character known as Abaddon, that, which is the general of heaven's army. Um, and Basically, what happens is war lands, and one of the first things that he notices is that his brothers or his siblings are not with him. Uh, and so, basically, what what has happened is most of the seals have been broken, but the seventh seal, the final seal, has not been broken. So the four horsemen were not fully summoned. Um, and then, so 
so war actually shouldn't have even shown up to begin with, but he was he kind of was there anyways. And so his presence actually throws Abaddon off Kelter in the middle of a fight against the demon commander Straga, a character known as Straga. Uh, and Straga is actually able to kill Abaddon. So then mm-hmm. what happens is war goes up against Straga and then ba- he's he's about Almost wins. yeah he he's about to kill Straga and when all of a sudden his powers are drained and we we don't really know why at this point in the game why but he loses his powers and Straga just beats the ever living daylights and the charred council actually steps in and saves war in the process of doing that however they also accuse him of destroying the balance, which is a very important thing within the series. The balance between the, the it's not necessarily good and evil, but it's like light and dark type thing. And they accuse right. War of destroying the balance because they say that he was the one who brought, apo- brought the apocalypse prematurely. Um, now, the problem with doing this is that by bringing the apocalypse into present or into existence prematurely, that has that has the result of destroying the kingdom of man, um, which is a very big problem, uh, as you'll find out through the gameplay, because the kingdom of man is what's called a, the third kingdom. And it's actually the kingdom which... was meant to break the tie between the first and the second kingdoms. Yes. And um, that's the whole reason the seals were created in the first place, correct. because the battle would have continued to rage on had not the seals been created by, it was the, 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 would you call him the Chaos Council? The the, the Charred Council. Charred Council. Heads. Yeah, the Charred, charred Council. Council. Yeah. The, the the Talking Heads. Um, they they basically had to step in and create this truce with the four horsemen who were eventually given all those different powers and a bunch of different things. Um, destroy the Nephilim, which is technically their race. Yes. Well, yeah. There's but, so there's yeah. That's. That gets, yeah, that's, that's its own. We'll, we'll get into that with the timeline too, because that's, that's a very important const or very important aspect of the four horsemen as far as explaining why they are so powerful, um, as well as in particular, yes, yes, death in particular, poor death. Um, yeah, but as far as the, the balance goes, the seals were created to help stave off the battle between the angels and the demons until the the realm of man was equal in power. Once they became powerful enough, then they, the seals were supposed to be broken. Correct. And then once the seven seals were being were basically destroyed, that would summon the horsemen, which would mark the start of the end battle, which is this this basically giant deciding point on which of the two which of the first or second kingdom would take over everything basically mm-hmm. um so so basically throughout this entire trial uh of the of his war holds to the fact that he is innocent and he he requests con he re- repeatedly requests the uh, permission to hunt down those who actually did uh break the balance and the council agrees uh, following his imprisonment of a century, he is stripped of his power. Or prior to his in, prior to his in, uh, imprisonment, he is stripped of his powers, and then following his release, he is bound to the Watcher, uh, who is one of their servants. And basically, the Watcher is given the ability to kill War if he strays. You know, if he if he he's basically on parole. 
uh, and he gets one chance. And if he messes up, the Watcher will kill him. Um, so the, then in, the ti- in this title, War will return to Earth, and we are introduced at this point to a new character from the Forces of Hell, uh, the Destroyer. And this character has annihilated humani- humanity as well as the majority of the armies of heaven. Uh, the, there's only a small contingency of uh, angels left, and that is the group that is known as the Hell Guard. And they've actually been stranded on Earth and are being led by Abaddon's lieutenant and what we'll find out is actually kind of her, his lover, Uriel. Um so basically this and then throughout the game you get introduced to a couple of different characters. You have like Volgrim, who is the the character of the merchant who kind of sells you stuff. Um and also actually gives you some uh gives you some advice and actually has a strangely larger part to play in the story than just giving you the he's the the Darksiders equivalent of Zur, the trash collector. Um in some ways. Oh my gosh, his mannerisms are very similar to Zur's too. It's really well, he's also hunched over. Yeah, yeah. Well, he also has that that type of that voice as well. Um, right. But uh, Volgrim is the one who kind of directs war to seek out Samael, uh, who was uh, connected and then connects to the dark, the Black Tower, uh, which is going to lead to the Destroyers. Um, <clears throat> and then that's where you get the, in- the introduction to basically the mini bosses for Darksiders, which are the four demon called four demons called the chosen. Um, and those are the guards of the black tower, which is the destroyers kind of main fortress. Uh, so the, the primary, obviously the primary thing here is that war is basically going to cut down or cut his way through these demons to get to the destroyer. Ultimately he will go up against the destroyer. And, um, I'm trying to remember semi, he, uh, I'm trying to remember if this is where he fights the destroyer at the end. There's a few different times that he fights the destroyer. Um, yeah, I know. I'm trying to remember. That's why I'm trying to remember because I know there. It basically comes up to the destroyer actually lays siege on heaven, um, mm-hmm. and you find out at that point. Oh no, yeah, that's right. Because he gains access to the tree of knowledge. War visits the tree of right. knowledge. Um, because Which he's is what he was told to do by Zer. Uh, yeah, not Zer, but the other yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Uh, the as who... well, he so Volgrim tells War to go to Samael and tells him about the Black Garden or Black Garden, the Black Tower. Man, gosh, Destiny is infusing Sorry. everything. No, you're My fine. Bad. You're fine. Uh, the Black Tower. Uh, when he goes to Samael, Samael tells him, "Okay, I can help you, um, but I need you to take out the Chosen." And he needs mm-hmm. to bring the hearts of the chosen to Samael to be given access to the tower. Through the process of defeating the chosen, War is introduced to a member of the race of Makers, known known as Ulthane. And he's I'll come back to him because he's actually pretty important. Uh, Ulthane, and then will Ulthane will eventually come to help not just War but actually all the Horsemen. Um, and so that's a very important thing. Ulthane is a blacksmith who is able to actually uh, repair and augment the weapons of the uh, horsemen. So, and then also through this process, War meets up with Uriel and her Hellguard, and and basically also has a vision. Yeah, yeah, and, and well, the thing with Uriel, uh, Uriel and the Hellguard basically agree with the Chart Council that War is responsible for this whole mess. 
Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of this weird thing. Uh, and so then war takes out the chosen and he brings the hearts back to Samel. Samel takes the hearts and sends war to the black tower with this like weird thing of like, okay, we'll meet again. So once he gets to the black tower, war encounters another angel named Azrael. And this is the angel of death. And what happens is, um, Azrael is actually been imprisoned and fused into the black tower. Uh, and so war attempts to free him. And in the process of freeing him, he finds out that as through Azrael, he, that Azrael, Abaddon and Ulthane were all kind of conspirators to bring about the apocalypse before it was actually supposed to happen. Um, because they were, they were, they were convinced that if they waited until it actually was supposed to happen, heaven would, um, be overrun. But the whole thing kind of fell apart when war showed up early and distracted Abaddon because Abaddon died and Abaddon wasn't supposed to die. Abaddon was supposed to be still around. Um, and through this whole thing, Azrael basically, uh, saves war because once he frees Azrael, the tower collapses. Azrael saves him and then tells him about the Garden of Eden, which is another kind of important locus of power. Um, and Azrael, who was the person who hid the Garden of Eden, allows war to visit there. And when he visits there, he, he seeks out the Tree of Knowledge with the intent to find out how to defeat the Destroyer. However, what he also finds out is that the destroyer is Abaddon, because when Abaddon was killed by Straga, he was dragged into hell and was given a choice by what at this point is an unknown deity. I'm pretty sure later it will become aware that this was Lilith. Uh, He's offered a choice to either serve in heaven or rule in hell, which is very uh, paradise loss. Mm -hmm. And so Abaddon... In, the, in this vision, War sees that Abaddon, realizing that he's going to be punished for what he's done, he chooses to become the destroyer. And so then what he becomes focused on is guarding the seventh seal. Because if he can prevent that seventh seal from being broken, he can prevent all the, he- the horsemen from showing up. And if they can prevent the horsemen from showing up, the forces of hell will be able to overrun the forces of heaven. So all this stuff's going on. So war finally figures out all this stuff. Um, and so come, and so now he, he has this knowledge and he comes back from the garden of Eden. Um, he comes back at the same time that destroyer begins to lay siege to heaven and Uriel goes up against the destroyer is defeated. What he also finds out is that the chart council is aware of this conspiracy. Um, and they're okay with it. They've actually, they've actually kind of been playing both sides because they were the ones that were responsible for putting war in the position that he was put in. So that all goes down. Uh, and the final, basically the final battle in the game is war against all three of the big bads. Uh, so he, he goes up against the Watcher and he kills the Watcher. Um, Only after, it, after he technically dies. Because he can't kill the Watcher because his powers are right. tied to yeah. the Watcher yeah. because of the chart console. Yeah. So um, in order for him to get out of that loophole, uh, Uriel kills him, stabs him in the back with her sword, kills him, and then uh, I'm trying to remember how she... He basically, because he's a Nephilim and is uh, subjected to the cycle of rebirth, comes back and is able to take out the Watcher. He's... 
Yes. With the the more destruction and him going after everybody else. And it's like one of the best cliffhanger endings is after all this is done, Uriel <clears throat> Uriel hands him hands war the seventh seal and watches mm-hmm. watches war and war just snaps it and Uriel is like yep. you understand like she she says basically you understand that they are all going to be coming after you there is no one who will help you heaven hell and man will all be after you and his response is basically let them come and the last scene is the three is uh three comets falling down from the sky towards him which mm-hmm. are the three it's, other riders yeah oh my god Fury, i love that scene it's play? like it's yeah uh strife <clears throat> strife uh strife strife yeah. is actually one of the only horsemen that throughout He's, the three titles we haven't seen we tech like technically we see him uh we have not played as him uh yeah so strife strife is arguably one of the more powerful figures but he's also one of the more passive figures um so so yeah that i mean that that whole thing is darksiders darksiders 2 takes place predominantly between the century that war is in prison so it's taking place after the intro piece of darksiders but before the the main meat of the darksiders campaign uh and darksiders 2 the main protagonist is the horseman death who is basically the entire point of Darksiders 2 is death is seeking to clear war's name and try to prevent and undo the damage caused by the the apocalypse being activated early. Um, Fun fact, uh, war is the youngest of them, death is the oldest. Yes, and war is also... The reason that war was used by the council is that even though war is the most temperamental of them, he is also the one that is most bound to the concept of honor. He will he will pay the price for what he believes is a um, is something that he's done that dishonors his name. Whereas the other dark side, the other the dark sides, the other horsemen don't really have that binding like death doesn't fury fury's about the next closest Uh, yeah she's not honor bound but she's she's she follows the council pretty like she believes what they say most of the time yeah she just isn't really patient like she she's also the one that um the entire so like during the nephilim war she's the one that yells at the council which is a hilarious scene um so yeah, so War is the youngest and the most temperamental, but he's also the most honorable. Uh, and he is the one. So each of the each of the Nephilim or each of the horsemen have a specific steed, a spectral steed. Uh, his his horse, and that's the horse that you see in like all the the pictures that you see of the Darksiders. Those those horses are very very special to each of these characters. War's steed is Ruin, um, and basically. He his weapon of choice is the is that classic you know what Green was kind of talking about at the very beginning that classic massive sword he's got a giant basically broadsword claymore esque weapon. Um, Death, like we mentioned, Death is the final or the primary character that you play as in Darksiders Two. Death is the oldest of the four, and he actually kind of fills the role of the leader. Um, he is also, he's just like his uh, brethren. He's a Nephilim. Uh, Nephilim, and we can learn in Darksiders 2 that the Nephilim were actually some of the most powerful beings in the universe. 
Uh, and, and we actually kind of get told the history of the Nephilim and the Nephilim war, I think in Darksiders too. Uh, right. and what happened was that when mankind was created, they were given the prize of Eden, uh, which was a new kingdom and they were recognized as the third kingdom. And this kind of, this kind of pissed off the Nephilim, uh, because the Nephilim were left out or they were, they perceived it as a slight against their species. So there was a leader named Absalom who basically said, you know what, Eden should be ours. And he led his armies against the combined forces of heaven and hell in an attempt to basically steal Eden. Uh, and in the process of doing that, it basically meant that the Nephilim as a whole species just went to war. Like every one of them was in this war. Uh, and so... What the Chard Council did, because at the time the Chard Council was really trying to keep the balance. They were this was prior to what would be um, what's called corruption, kind of cre- was created. Um, the Chard Council condemned the Nephilim to destruction, and the way that they managed to do this, excuse me, <clears throat> the way that they uh, decided to destroy the Nephilim was they made an agreement with four of the Nephilim, and those four basically bound themselves to the council's will to be given ultimate power. Uh, And that was the creation of the four horsemen of the apocalypse or the four. And so the four were granted a reprieve from this fate on the condition that they aided the council's victory over their, their species. The horsemen accepted this and basically they just destroyed their own, their own people. However, death was the one that was responsible for the very, very hard task of going up against Absalom. And this is where death actually is the explanation of his mask. Death wears the mask to represent his role of being the executioner for his species. Um, and he, it's noted within Darksiders 2 that he has not taken that off. He has never taken the mask off ever, ever since the Nephilim Wars conclusion. Um, now, the thing... He takes it off at one point, just not during that area. Well, yeah, that's true. He takes, it, it's, it's an actual story point later on mm-hmm. in Death's story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But not up until Darksiders 2, he had never... He, like, it's, it's a point of, oh, it's yeah. a point oh, of yeah. his... Point of his sorrow that he, like, the... the the level of grief that he has to stay with. Um, and, and so what basically happened was, and this is also a very key point for the whole thing, because it explains why the chart council is now acting against the balance. Um, it was during this final battle uh, between the four and the other Nephilim that this force known as corruption was made real. And the reason why it kind of came into existence was actually the death of Absalom. Uh, Absalom was, again, the leader of the Nephilim that was, that was besieging Eden. And death was the one who put him down. He was the one who killed him with, his, with the scythe, his, his tr- uh, traditional scythe. And basically, when he kills him, when he, when he defeats Absalom, this kind of, this pool kind of, it, it, comes into existence and as he's dying he was basically consumed by this pool and death was the entire time trying to pull him out and it's not until darksiders 2 happens so this was you know eons ago it's not until darksiders 2 that death actually is given the chance to 
rectify that problem. And what you find out is that that problem, that black pool, is a force known as corruption. And so the corruption actually becomes this thing that is is destroying balance. And again, remember, balance is this very important aspect of this. And you see this predominantly within the Chard Council because the Chard Council somehow gets infected with the corruption. And that's where you get the whole thing that starts off Darksiders is the council is trying to... Uh, I can't remember if they're they're trying to bootstrap their way into becoming the creator or if they're just trying to gain more power. But basically Well, I mean, it's the it's the power over creation that they're all fighting over, right? Mm-hmm. That's like them that they're fighting. And so their their methods are just going to be their methods are going to be their own. They're going to do things a little backsided. Granted, they have done it in such a way that has covered their tracks mostly. Yes. But there are still people who understand what goes on. And that that plays into both Darksiders and Darksiders 2 because the council, when they get caught with their hand in the cookie jar at the end of Darksiders, one of the things that is revealed is that the reason that they set War up to be a patsy was that they knew that um, if they didn't, if the horsemen didn't have proof, they wouldn't act. And so they kind of, they try, they kind of like, they they prevented themselves from getting in trouble by using war as a fall a fall guy, and so then that's that's at the end when war breaks the seventh seal. That's what's happening is war is basically saying we're breaking our ties to the council, which is a huge problem. But it's also the shattering of the seal because the way the seals are designed, it gives the horsemen their full power and it frees all of them from the council's control. So it's a dual it's a dual thing because now all four have their full power at the end of Darksiders and they are no longer bound to follow the council's orders. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, I was reading the the, the script for the end that end scene again. The Watcher is the one that basically like so so he gets the war gets the seventh seal, and this is the fight between him and the Watcher. And he he gets it, and Uriel this is when Uriel shows up with the Abaddon blade and uh, stabs more in the back. Um, And it's the stabbing him in the back that also breaks the seal. And in stabbing him in the back, it shatters the seal before he can die, which gives war his original power, frees him from the council's control and frees him from the binding to the watcher. So then war turns around basically and takes the uh, Armageddon blade and kills the Watcher, but before he can, the Watcher threatens that heaven, hell, and the Council will chase him before... It, basically, they'll chase him to the ends of the, the creation. And War kills him anyways, and then Uriel says, you know, basically, thank you for for revealing what he, what he revealed, but um, even though his actions have repaid any harm that he caused the Angel, or the Angels, uh, her duty will probably mean that they will fight again. And then she goes, that's when she goes on to warn that, you know, he can't stand alone against the armies of both heaven and hell and the other forces of the council. And then that's when war basically says, oh, I'm not alone. And you look and it pans up and there's the three comets that are the, the other writers. Um, love that. Love that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. 
Um, let's see. Darksiders. So that's yeah. Darksiders two. Darksiders two revealed quite a bit about again uh, the kind of the lead up to what is going on and 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 really an explanation of where where things kind of went wrong uh, because basically again the death of Absalom allowed a figure that we know uh, by the name of Lilith, uh, which it's argued right now in the game lore whether or not Lilith is actually the creator of the Nephilim. Um, we're not sure because there's, there's conflicting information on that. Uh, so we haven't gotten that clear. Or there, there, that part hasn't been clarified just yet. But Lilith is basically stirring the pot and then you also have uh the introduction of lucifer with his demon masters uh which we'll we'll get to in just a second um but so dark siders 2 is predominantly the story of death and the lead up and conclusion of the nephilim war and which will explain it explains in the dark siders universe why humanity was expelled from eden why um the seals were created, and also the the truce that was dictated by the Charred Council between the First and Second Kingdoms, the forces of hev- heaven and forces of hell, um, <clears throat> that they are not allowed to interact with the Third Kingdom. Um, and this is it, this is seen predominantly through the visage of the Charred Council, who is basically they're serving as mediators that were created by the Creator. They were created by the creator to keep the balance between the forces of heaven and hell. Heaven is known as the first kingdom. Hell is known as the second kingdom. Uh, and basically the way that they kind of, and, the, and this is like a cyclical thing. Like this is a, literally a never ending war. It's, it's always, there's always these two kingdoms that are constantly at battle with each other. And in order to finally bring this all to an end, they created the third kingdom humanity. Um, and so because you can't have a true balance with the with three kingdoms, the the Chard Council dictated a ceasefire between the kingdoms and, of heaven and hell to allow the third kingdom to, to develop to a point that they would be able to survive and even determine the result of the end war. Now, this is where the seals come in because the seals were meant to protect everything until that point. So when the seals are broken, the tr- the ceasefire between the kingdoms is called off. And that's where you get the whole thing with the horsemen being given their full power and being allowed to do as they will without oversight by the council. Um, yeah, that's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah, I'm tr- a little bit. It's, it's, it's one of those games, like seriously, like I said, it's one of these games that like you play through the first one, you're like, okay, it's a hack and slash game. And then you start like actually diving into stuff. And it's like, this is a lot deeper than, than initially you would think. Um, now to be fair, that is the, the end of my actual playing. Uh, I have not played mm-hmm. Darksiders three. So Darksiders three is, uh, it takes place. My understanding is Darksiders three takes place parallel to the events of Darksiders and Darksiders two. Um, the main protagonist in Darksiders 3 is Fury, and the entire storyline of Darksiders 3 is Fury's hunting down and eliminating the seven deadly sins. Uh, so this is concurrent, and Fury is kind of the the individual who does, to, to kind of put it gently, the wet work for the Charred Council. 
um, she is the one that kind of gets sent out to do things like suicide missions because she's really good at it. Uh, and so she that's that's really the storyline with Darksiders 3 is that she has been sent to eliminate the seven deadly sins. Uh, and let me see if I have my notes here real quick. Um, so, yeah, the, and the seven deadly sins are exactly, you know, what you would think. You have envy, lust, pride, avarice, gluttony, wrath and sloth. Um and they are portrayed in, again, Darksiders 3 is the one that is explained as kind of a Dark Souls light as far as, like, difficulty. Because they, the save locations apparently create very interesting problems for if you get killed. Uh, it also, from a mechanical standpoint, it starts focusing more on the ability to dodge and time your fights more than previous uh, Fury is also unique for the Nephilim in, in not only that is she the only female figure within the four, but she is also really, really strongly attuned with magic. Um, she has a blade whip is her primary weapon. Um, and then magic. It is an awesome it's weapon. amazing. Um, Fury also is in Darksiders three is where we get introduced to strife as well. Actually, we see strife. We don't actually get to play strife. Um, but it's in Darksiders three that Fury actually, so Fury has this like really kind of distaste for humanity. She doesn't like humanity. Um, but she grows to become basically their protector in Darksiders three. And that's, again, through the interactions that she has with, I believe it's the Makers. Um, I want to say it's the Makers. But, yeah, it's so, like, because the Makers are uh, what's known as an older race. Uh, and they are the they are members of those who predate the Three Kingdoms. Um, and the Makers are almost on the same level of importance as the Charred Council. Because what the Makers do is they create the worlds. Uh, and and their realm has, since the Nephilim War, been overtaken by corruption and lost. And so they are kind of dispersed among creation. And they're, they're not, it's very rare to find them. Ulthane is, I think, the only one that comes to mind that I was kind of able to find uh, from the Maker's perspective. And again, Ulthane is a blacksmith, so he, he kind of is that, he's... He, He's a very interesting figure. He's very out for himself, but he's also protective of humanity as as a whole. Um, and it's through Ulthane and the Makers that the Horsemen both get given more powerful weapons and also kind of get introduced into the the need to protect humanity, especially with the case of Fury. Um, it is also in protecting humanity that Fury is introduced to a figure. Uh, who will be revealed to be Strife, who apparently Strife is just in hiding. Like, it's really interesting what Strife is doing, because no one really knows currently. Um, the Well, I mean, during the during the thing, like, war gets put in prison, imprisoned by the council for like a hundred years, and the whole thing with fury and death happens, because death is trying to get war out. He's, he's trying I'm, to clear his name, yeah, it, he's trying to clear war's right. name. And then, uh, then uh, Fury is basically. I'm trying to remember. Fury was trying to clear his name, or Fury was just, I think, just sent to hunt down. Fury the... was going. She was going to take out the seven deadly sins. Right. That was her thing. 
And then she encounters a whole bunch of different people along the way. People who don't like her necessarily, mm-hmm. but still help her out. The Fury the Fury story is one I am not as familiar with, but ironically I'm most interested in playing. Yeah, it's it's the it's the one that kind of is <clears throat> is unique in that it's like Fury doesn't really um she she doesn't really I mean, she cares but she doesn't really go out, out there to clear war's name. Like when when you get introduced the the concept is that the council is basically saying you're going to go you know you're fine you need to find the seven deadly sins and they send one of the watchers with her um and then as fury goes through and defeat and you know will go up against and defeat the different um the sins uh you this is also where we learn about lilith um and lucifer i uh, kind of get in, introduced more predominantly within here um, mm-hmm. and so, and, and the other thing is, is like each one of these titles also sees the protagonist figure coming to the realization that, that the chart council is no longer balanced. Um, and each one of them kind of in their own way has to go up against the chart council as a, as a like final fight. And so, you know, there, there's, there's the, this thing with, War was the breaking of the seventh seal. The thing with death was, I believe, at the end he kind of gets his his weapon back, uh, the the full scythe. Um, Fury is she? Uh, I believe, I believe she's the one that kind of breaks the physical manifestation of the Chart Council at the end. Um, death also releases the souls captured. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a thing. Yeah. Because um, he had I to make a choice. Forgot about that. Well, so, so he gave, that was well, that was with the crow father too, right? Are you talking about right, that one? That was yeah. with the crow father. Yep. So he uh, during the initial war, death used his major power, and he was essentially going to destroy all the nephilim. That was part of the part of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. So he was trying to get rid of all the nephilim. A lot of men also ended up dying in the process as well. But instead of destroying their souls completely, he encaptured them in a amulet-like thing and has been carrying them around, or various people have been carrying them around, Crowfather being one of them. No, he gave, he gave the Nephilim amulet to Crowfather because he couldn't have the it. the Crowfather essentially threw it back at him. Right, because the Crowfather... In the, in the story. Yeah, so in Darksiders 2, we find we are introduced to the Crowfather, who is... Trying to remember what the crow father actually is. I know he's the keeper of secrets, but I don't know if we ever actually find out what like what he is. Um, but he's he's corrupted. Like he's become absolutely insane. And you find out that really one of the one of the catalysts to his insanity is the Nephilim amulet, because all those souls are apparently able to still speak, and they've just been tormenting him for these eons ever since the nephilim war was was over uh and so yes death goes up and has to kill the crow father but in the process of killing the crow father the amulet is destroyed and then i can't remember embedded it yeah it basically basically the amulet goes and digs into him and yeah it's just like it's kind of messed up the other thing like towards the end of the story with death he gets to the well of souls which is 
where every everything's held and whatnot, and he has a choice to make. Either he can release all the Nephilim, or he can release the souls of men, and that is the moment that he takes off his mask. Yes. Yeah. Before he jumps into the well. So there's a there's a lot there's a lot that happens with death. Death is a really tragic character. Yeah, and death really really tragic character. Death is the so at the at that end he um he yeah because do you get do you actually get a choice? I can't remember if you actually get a choice because I know like the air quote the air quote the air quote true ending is that he chooses to save war. And sacrifice the souls of the Nephilim. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, he's basically told you have to choose either humanity or Nephilim, and right. he chooses the to sacrifice the Nephilim to save humanity. And in doing so, he jumps into the well to to kind of basically sacrifice his his own soul to save everything. And uh, and that's when at the very end it cuts over to the scene from Darksiders, which War is standing over the broken seventh uh, seal, and you know that's the, the Uriel's kind of like, are you intending to wage war against everyone alone? To which War, that's when War says, no, not alone, and that basically shows the four horse, the other three horsemen showing. And the narrator, it goes out saying, and the number of the writers shall ever be four. And so mm-hmm. death comes back. Death is basically resurrected by this like destiny-esque fate thing, um, even though he sacrificed himself to save humanity. So it'll be, it'll, it's, right. it's interesting. I mean, like the, the buildup is going to be very interesting to see if it's how they're going to play out that, if they're going to play out that, that whole post post the four landing scene um because again darksiders 2 and darksiders 3 are taking place concurrently with darksiders um and then the game that is supposedly going to be darksiders 4 is known as darksiders genesis uh and this one's the one that a lot of people are kind of expecting us to learn a little bit more about strife uh we've seen strife has been involved in i want to say all the games if not physically present, he his weapons are uh, his hand can his hand cannons his handguns are known as mercy and redemption and death actually uses mercy I think death uses maybe both of them but he he actually uses the weapons of strife in his in Darksiders two and then strife shows up in Darksiders three as, in disguise as a human who mouths off to fury which is also a really funny cutscene hilarious it's so funny she's like who are you and he just just she does not take oh my gosh she gets so upset so amazing um (laughs) i love strife strife is like the they're they're like they they do a really good job with the four in like capturing the actual feeling of siblings because they're constantly Mm -hmm. like egging each other on like there's a Bickering. there's a scene from I believe it's Darksiders two where you see the the during the Nephilim war you see the four of them when they're getting their powers given to them by the Chart Council and Fury is like just like get on with it she's just she's notorious for lack of patience um, and she's just like con- she's like yelling at the Chart Council to get on with stuff and Strife is the one that's like calm down like it's just like and then there's another. Where was the other one? There was another one where they were like betting on on who would get their uh, ho- their horses correctly mm-hmm. or who would tame their horse first. 
and um, mm-hmm. it's strife and war are like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then death ends up being the one that <laughs> that does it. So it's just, right. oh my gosh, it's just, just like shows up. Oh my god, yeah, almost. with uh, I think it's ruin, it's ruin, desolation, and I can't remember Fury's horse's name, but Fury's horses is actually really interesting. She speaks to him or it like it's uh, you get the idea that it is actually sentient. Um, I'm trying to remember real quick. Sorry, I was I was seeing if I could find war or uh her horse's name, which mm-hmm. I'm not apparently able to find really fast. Um, but that's where I believe Darksiders three, the opening cutscene is her basically sitting there talking to her Rampage. Rampage, yes. Who's she's like talking to Rampage about how she's bored and she's <laughs> like there's nothing to do and it's just like, Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yep. Despair is deaths, yeah. And so we I don't think we know um, I don't think we know Strife's horse's name, but we might. If I, didn't, I did not have that written down because I don't think I want to say we don't know that particular one. But yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to think. That's that's the titles. Um, a little bit more about the the different players in the game. I guess would be would be a good point to jump in here. Um. We mentioned the Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, the Kingdom of Heaven is known as the First Kingdom, also known as the White City. Uh, we actually don't know a bunch about the actual location, the, the actual kingdom, um, other than it exists. And then originally, uh, you know, Abaddon, Abaddon's attack against the forces of the uh, Hell... Um, that's really kind of the, in, like the only pieces of the white city that we see, um, when Abaddon falls, the victory of the apocalypse is pronounced in favor of the forces of hell and the portals basically that would normally allow the angels to retreat back into the first kingdom were closed prematurely, which is why you see Uriel and the hell guard, uh, being stranded on earth. Um, Angels are kind of described as that stereotypical. They're they're strong celestial winged beings. Uh, they are they they only have a slight bit more tendency to put up with humans than demons. Uh, they which is another thing that kind of is very different about this this world's portrayal. They neither angels nor demons really have a strong attachment to humans. They both kind of look down on humanity. Um, they do tend to float. They they uh, and they have a natural resilience to um, dance like they 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 aren't as brutish as the demons. They they tend to have superior weaponry, uh, technology, armor. Uh, that's that's kind of their strength. They they're more developed. It's kind of like an elf versus a dwarf. I guess would be the easiest way to kind of put that in. Um, they're not physically as technically as powerful as the demons, but they have a more advanced technological edge against the demons. Um, which, speaking of demons, that's the kingdom of hell. It's also known as the second kingdom um, or the dark kingdom. Uh, and again, similar to the first kingdom, we don't know a lot about the actual realm. Uh, it has mentioned a couple times that it does maybe consist of nine ra- nine layers or domains. Um, so you might be thinking it's probably similar to a Dante-esque geography. 
Um, so we know that hell is ruled by an entity known as the Dark Prince. And that's pretty much what we know. The Dark Prince is kind of believed to be the figure of Lucifer. Uh, the forces of hell on Earth throughout the series, the game series, is controlled by the Destroyer. Um, demons tend to be just kind of that stereotypical, you know, very cruel. They're filled with bloodlust, utterly selfish. They're brutal. Um, they don't usually tend to f- to carry weapons because their physical weapons are claws, talons, and fangs. They kind of tend to be more the physical component. Um, and while they do have some really rough projectile con like projectile weapons, they usually don't really focus on technology. They have a very low technology level. Uh, they focus more on the raw strength and skill of hand-to-hand combat. Um, Unlike angels, demons do tend to have no qualms about achieving their goals, whatever means necessary. Uh, so, like, whereas an angel might hesitate because the the end doesn't necessarily justify the means, to a demon, the end justifies the means without question. Um, and we see that, again, throughout pretty much the entire series. Like, they, they, they are constantly sacrificing others to to achieve whatever end they are they are going for um you see that predominantly with the seven sins that's that's a very predominant Mm -hmm. prominent display of that um we talked about we talked a little bit about the charred council um basically they they're the mediator force between all all creation uh the charred council is presented as being responsible for maintaining the balance and general order throughout the universe uh, and this is basically accomp- accomplished through the prevention of any particular singular celestial power becoming too powerful. Uh, they achieve this through the creation of the four, uh, which is their current, basically their current weapon of choice to maintain the balance. Um, we do not know if the Charred Council is a single entity or a group of entities. We've seen mentioned that it is a group, but then they speak unanimously as one when we see them speak so it's kind of a an, a conflict within the the story right now that we're not really sure where where that falls um which brings us to the creator which is this force that is um not really mentioned actually uh, the creator is supposedly the maker of all creation so you know the the god figure uh and the creator is the closest to a deity within the Darksiders canon that exists. Um, almost every being in creation acknowledges the creator in some way. The angels are noted to revere him. Demons tend to scorn him. And the charred, clown, charred council claims to have been charged by the creator with maintaining balance throughout his creation. Uh, you, you see throughout the series that a lot of legends will speak of the creator speaking to his creations. However... That was in the distant past, and so this has led to some question if they've finally and truly been abandoned uh, since he's been, or it's referred to as a he, he has been long since quiet. His silence is kind of causing some people stress. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, we talked about the makers. Um, right. So then, so the yeah, the abyss, the older races, which is kind of a generic term for races that predate the three kingdoms. Uh, again, three kingdoms being which, angel, demon, and man. Yes. Here's my question: Where? Okay, so if angels, demon, and man have their own domains, um, men getting Eden, aka Earth. Well, and angels. Eden's not like Earth. what's 
That's that's okay. the weird. Eden's its own thing. Yeah, that's kind of the weird okay. thing. So Eden was Eden was originally the seat that was given to humanity, uh, but the Nephilim were they got pissy, and so yeah. they, in order to protect humanity, they basically shut Eden out. So no one can get to Eden except for like I think Azrael. I want to say the crow father. I want to say the crow father was able to get into it. I can't remember if the crow father was able to. Azrael was pretty much mm-hmm. as the angel of death. He was responsible for shutting Eden out, and he was the one that um, they they put humanity on Earth, and then that's when they they declared the truce and created the seven seals. Um, all the older races, like they tent, like it. It's like all of them had their own realms uh you see that with like the makers but what happened with the nephilim war was the creation of corruption and corruption kind of basically just screwed everything up um it infected the tree of life uh which then allowed it to trans it it basically used the tree of life to jump into all the different realms uh it's also argued that that's how it got into the charred council and the corruption spread in in different realms. It spread at different speeds. Uh, for like the makers, it completely destroyed their realm, and that's why they they don't have a home anymore. Um, and this is why Darksiders Two was such the the ending of Darksiders Two is such a a big component within the series because at the end of Darksiders Two, it's death actually killing Absalom, and for the most part kind of pushing back the corruption if i remember correctly there it, when he when he dies when darksider in darksiders 2 when death jumps in the well he actually manages to destroy a large part of the corruption a lot of death going on yeah it's yeah 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 um i think okay so we got we got through the different races sort of creatures Crow father ostagoth from horses lord of hollows lord of hollows was cool mm-hmm. he's the one that shows up in fury story isn't he because yes. he's the one that nephilim get like i said earlier nephilim gets stuck in the the cycle of reincarnation if the nephilim want a way out they become a hollow and they go to the lord, the of, lord hollows, of the hollows yeah. Yep, because he's also the one that um, I'm trying to remember. I want to say that she's or he's the one. Yeah, because at the end, um, at the end, basically Fury, Fury saves humanity, right? So Fury, like at the end of of mm-hmm. Darksiders three, she's she, which is ironic. Oh yeah, no, it's like it's hilarious. Does. She 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 looks she looks so, she looks down on humanity so badly but she comes to like value them and in their in her own way um and so at the very end of darksiders 3 after she's defeated the the seven sins um and then she she like i I can't remember how she does it but she like basically forces the sins into the charred council or something Mm -hmm. and uh she then uses that's when her magic is able to use um and so, I'm trying to remember. Oh no, yeah, okay. Uh, so, so she she returns after defeating the sins because, as part of defeating the seven sins, her task was also to bind them within a talisman. Um, but she kind of figures out, you know, through the process that uh, the council is not as balanced as they 
pretend to be. And so she basically does, she goes her own way and sets it up so that she can, she can kind of walk away. Um, and then, so when she gets requested to, to give the sins to the charred council, uh, she basically does a sleight of hand basically and blows up the, the talisman instead. Um, in doing so, she also destroys the citadel, and so she has to kind of run. She has to find a place to get out, and in getting out, she escapes back to Earth, where then she runs into a location called Haven, which is basically the. It's a area that has been created by Ulthane uh, to protect the last of the human, last of humans. Uh, and as she comes back, the kind of the final thing is she she comes back as it's being besieged by demons by led by the destroyer. Um, this is also when she kind of fully realizes what exactly is going on and who the destroyer is and where like all these celestial like uh, manipulations and everything like that. Um, and the makers are able to create a portal that will allow them to save the last remnants of humanity. And because Fury vowed to protect the last surviving humans, she basically holds the line. <clears throat> and then she said, and this is all taking place right before war is reawoken. So Fury holds the line to save the last of humans. And this is when she tells Ulthane that he needs to aid her brother war in any way possible. Uh, because she's now realized that war was innocent. And she basically then will depart into the portal with humanity to protect them. And that's when she also realizes that the one of the humans that was helping the makers fend off the demons was actually Strife. Like, that's when she kind of realizes, she's like, oh, you son of a... And, like, that's kind of where the portal mm-hmm. slu- like slams shut. And Strife is like... But like it's really oh God, I love that scene. It's really funny, but um, but what that also means is that all of the the remaining humans have been kind of sleight of handed away from the demons, so they can't destroy. They, there's that third kingdom, right? The third kingdom is the the tiebreaker between the first and second kingdom for the balance. So as long as there's humanity still around, technically speaking, they can't end the war between the two of them and so that's why the second kingdom has always been so obsessed with destroying humanity is because if they can destroy humanity then they've won they've they've already defeated the first kingdom uh there's only the hell guard left and that you know that's not enough to worry them but there there's still this like kind of prophecy-esque thing going on um and at the end of darksiders 3 that's where you see lucifer like coming down hard on Lilith because Lilith was the one who I think Lilith was the one who was responsible for killing the the lords of Lord of Hollows, but um, because Lilith was playing her own game, she wasn't able to kill the Lord of Hollows uh, quickly enough, and the Lord of Hollows is the one that basically sets Fury on the path to being able to protect humanity from being destroyed. So like, this is like this weird, like little thing where it's basically everyone's playing their own game and has their own agenda. And because Lilith's agenda didn't quite sync up with everyone else's in the, in the second kingdoms, she kind of dropped the ball on getting someone off the board before they could 
they could be the catalyst that would serve to maybe potentially be the final defeat. So it's like this like really weird game of chess going on. Always, always chess. Sorry. That got really wonky. It's okay. It's, it's a, the the story. It's okay, the story gets the, like wonky, this, like it because it's right. Because when you as soon as you include Lilith into things, because Lilith throws off a whole bunch of different things, because Lilith helps out war. Lilith like is and Lilith like helps and hinders the Nephilim like every step, and that's she's right. one of those characters that. Like I said, like we're not really sure what Lilith is doing and what her ties to everything are. Um, Death refers to Lilith as mother, which is where a lot of like they're like, okay, wait, did Lilith create? Because like a Nephilim in in you know uh, Christian uh, mythology or religious or theology, um, a Nephilim is like a blend of a angel demon, angel human. You know, depends on what translation you're looking at. And so if the Nephilim were created by Lilith, who is, you know, in uh, who, who's often kind of portrayed as like the, the air quote, the first wife of Adam or whatever. Um, if Lilith is the mother of the Nephilim, that kind of brings a few interesting theories to bear on where the Nephilim get their power. And it also brings into question what game is Lilith actually playing? Um, right. Is, is Lilith really on the side of lucifer and and that's where you kind of get the um the hints of dark side dark siders genesis because that's where if if strife is going to be brought in it would be an interesting point to kind of um look at it because i believe the the hints that we've been given about genesis is that it's about the demon masters um and so it will be a story of um war and strife together as a as a like a prequel back during the nephilim or following the nephilim war um like right after the destruction of the nephilim at eden this was when the demon masters and lucifer were at the like the the quote-unquote height of their power and war and strife were basically assigned to exterminate them and so genesis is it's kind of i think the the idea is that genesis is going to be the playthrough of war and strife eliminating the demon masters which will also be right around the time that corruption is just getting introduced into the the darksiders universe um so you're going to start seeing more and more about lilith because lilith is arguably one of the predominant figures who corrupted absalom and then also abaddon and that's where like death kind of calls out to Lilith during the fight with Absalom um, to m- his mother to be like, you know, I, I can't save him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where there's kind of a there's there's a lot of different different directions that that can take depending on how they how they play that particular thing. Interesting. Do you think they're going to keep with the same timeline? Have essentially strife story. I think. I mean, like, be contained with wars. Yeah, I think so because, like, there's so there's like there's the primary titles, right? There you have Darksiders, Darksiders Two, and Darksiders Three, and then if and then in the book and, and yeah, then you have like supposedly Darksiders Four is going to be Genesis. It's also known as Genesis, um, but then you also have uh, a couple different like you have DLCs. Uh, I believe Darksiders Two and Darksiders Three. Uh, or Darksiders 2 had three DLCs, Darksiders 2 had two. 
Um, I don't know if Keepers of the I think Keepers of the Void came out already, um, but that's the second DLC for for Darksiders Three, and each of those kind of uh, it kind of builds on the story a little bit. It opens up some. It's mostly more like um, additional gameplay and additional like functionality. I think Darksiders Three introduced the concept of Crucible, which is like PvP esque things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have mechanics that kind of are taking place there. But uh, I'm trying to remember. I want to say there was at least one book. Um, I want to say they they were they were talking about doing a comic book series, but I don't think they ever got it off the ground. I know. Oh, yeah. The book the book is called The Abomination Vault. Um, and that is that takes place before Darksiders. So that's that's going to take place prior to this entire the entire game thing. It's a prequel. It's a prequel novel similar to uh, Fall of Reach for Halo. Um, and the Abomination Vault was where you get like the really funny scene with Strife egging on Fury during the uh they're giving they're being given their powers. Um but I think that's I I want to say yeah, I was going to say like I I thought that they were going to do um a comic book, but I don't see that as being actually released. Um so I guess they I guess that didn't ever happen. I know it well, yeah, comic book and then they were also talking about doing a uh film adaptation. But that was back in like the film adaptation I think was back in like 2012, 2010 or 2011 2012 so i don't think they've i don't think they've gone I, I don't think it's going anywhere for that particular one i think we have spoiled the bejesus out of all of this now <laughs> i mean the thing is is like if you play all the way through darksiders like darksiders 2 and darksiders 3 it's 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 both new information but you know it's like you know where it's going you know how it yeah is. you know where right, it's going but, but it's interesting because the the chronological aspect of this game, the fact that you're getting more sides of the story with each game, right? So you have the initial story, the story of war and everything that happened there, and then you get a little bit more fleshed out with death and even a, more fleshed out with fury, which is an interesting concept because it's not chronological in so much that it is sequential. Mm-hmm. The games aren't sequential chronologically. The games are parallel. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see different angles and see the different players and how they are affecting each other without directly affecting each other. Right. Oh, and sorry to correct myself. Darksiders Genesis is not technically in the main series. Uh, it's a spinoff prequel. So it's going to, I'm looking at it right now. It says that it's a top-down RPG game that follows strife. So we are going to get to see strife alongside war Um and this is following the destruction of the Nephilim at Eden. They're called upon to save humankind from certain destruction at the hands of Lucifer. Uh, and they announced it this year, June 6th this year. Uh, and it's going to be available on all systems. And this one is actually developed by a different title or a different company. Um, though the the company that they are going with which is known as airship syndicate does actually have some of the original developers of vigil games so you're gonna it's gonna it'll still be kind of similar um but the demon masters that are being hunted down in genesis are basically it makes me think that they might be like the generals of that particular war and strife is 
been assigned to, you know, again, protect humanity and keep the balance by wiping them out. But it is not it is not Darksiders 4. It is Darksiders Genesis. So it is actually a, a spinoff title. Whew. Yeah. 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 Like I said, like I said, like my my like talking about this and reading all this, you know, kind of to sum mm-hmm. it up, I this makes me really like when I when I start digging into games like this and it's like this stuff is this deep and this this you know, for lack of a better word convoluted. Um, it actually in a way makes me really excited to keep going into it and looking at it and trying to like connect all the dots and, you know, see see the story and and the way that they have it blended with uh, with reality and like theology from our own world in this weird science fiction esque dystopian thing that's going on um, is always kind of interesting. And then they have like the they have a hints of like the multiverse esque stuff and all that. I, I just I love I love those kind of twists on those those old stories and all that. Um, but I, and it's also just. It's also just really fun to play. Darksiders is seriously, I, I, I love playing that game. I remember playing that game and just being like, this is amazing. Um, and then I think Darksiders mm-hmm. 2, they came out in 2015, they came out with an updated. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Darksiders 2, so Darksiders came out in 2010. Darksiders 2 came out in 2012. In 2015, they re-released Darksiders 2. Uh, it was called the Death Death Inti- Death Inti- I can't even basically definitive death 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 yes that one um god man that's way too many weird sounds yeah. uh so darksiders 2 was re-released in 2015 and then in 2016 they re-released darksiders as the war mastered edition so you know play off the names there um so you should i mean like if you have any interest in this i definitely would check those out because the war mastered and the death infinitive or whatever the hell it is um well obviously i think they were re-released for the current gen systems so the xbox one and ps4 um and then also for pc uh so they've been brought up to brought up to speed if you will for the new technology um and then genesis i think i don't think we have a date for it just yet uh but they i think they said it's going to be in 2019 but again, that one's going to be um, that one is going to be different from the style that you see in Darksiders, Darksiders Two, and Darksiders Three. It's going to be a top-down RPG, whereas the other ones are kind of like a third-person hack and slash. That's much more reminiscent of you know God of War, Dark Souls, um, those type of those type of titles. But yeah, that's 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 all I got. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Shadow. Yes. Into the episode. Yes. My brain is fried. I apologize for everyone yeah. for these kind of pauses at the end because my brain is like I've been trying mm-hmm. I've been tr- trying I've been trying maneuver. to maneuver through this and it's a it's a complicated line of thought because of the way that the games are presented. You know, Green, you kind of mentioned that. Like they're concurrent and so when you're talking about Darksiders it's really hard not to get sidetracked into talking about Darksiders 2 and Darksiders 3 because information that is in those two is prevalent and is very important to the conclusion of Darksiders but and I and I was trying to I was I tried to kind of keep it you know as experientially you would you would experience it not necessarily from a chronological standpoint which I think might 
have also caused some confusion there as well. And for that, I, I kind of apologize. Yeah. There are some really good YouTubers out there that have presented at least um, Darksiders 1 and 2 in a chronological order. So you're getting, because of the way Darksiders is is presented, you have the initial part of the Darksiders story in Darksiders 1, then you have all of Death's story, and then the end of Darksiders 1. So you have Darksiders 1, Darksiders 2, Darksiders 1. There are quite a few YouTubers out there who have done a really good job of, um, really good job of presenting it in a way that is easy to, to grasp and you get a lot of really cool lore and history behind the characters with it yes anyway so shout out for this week shout out to a man at arms i will be on his show on tuesday so if you're listening to this monday i will be on the show tomorrow night tuesday the what day would that be tuesday the 16th uh 9 p.m eastern it's gonna be crazy we're gonna be on with con the artist the extraordinaire and i think that's my main shout out for the week um mine are just basically again you know big big shout out to all the guys and gals who were involved with guardian con um mm-hmm. you know not just the people who helped make that event the the roaring success that it was but also everyone who actually was able to to come out and visit um you know i I know for me personally, I'm I, like I said, I'm I'm a pretty hardcore introvert. Uh, so like events like that, kind of, I don't do well at them in person. Um, but I also appreciate what they are there for, and I think that it's an awesome experience for anybody who is who is comfortable doing that. Um, you know, I I know that we have had conversations i kind of feel like it's something that i will continue to go to even though i'm not super comfortable with it um and so you know i i just appreciate everyone who who not only again not only puts it on because i know it's an immense amount of work getting those things des- like designed and scheduled and all that but it also the people who come out and who make it such a success um you know the developers were amazing the people who drove i know i know several people drove upwards of like 20 hours 24 hours um to bring their own car and to to bring their stuff for booths you know the creators the content creators the artists all that i mean it's it's a thing of like everything that's done in this community is 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 done by the community and it's really prevalent within destiny's community that that's the case um, and I, I think that that's something that's not common in a lot of communities. And I think that's something that destiny, regardless of all the, the salt about destiny's current state or current, uh, meta or whatever, it consistently does do that. And I, I really think guardian con showcased that amazingly well. I think the end, the end result was like over $4 million that we were able as a community to give to St. Jude's to help kids you know, do to do good. And that's, that was kind of the theme of guardian con this year was gaming does good. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's something also that needs to be remembered is that this isn't for a lot of us. I understand that, you know, a lot of people kind of look down on video games as, Oh, it's just a, just a pastime. It's just a hobby, but you know, there is a lot that is being done within the gaming communities that also translates into doing a lot of good things for other people. And I think that's that's just to me that's just always 
amazing and breathtaking to to witness and to be allowed to be a part of. I think that's really cool. Um, so thank you guys for doing that and for taking the time out of your day to to make it a to make it a reality. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got. So how do we sign off on this episode? <laughs> clap, hey, clap. Oh no! Oh no! Okay, one, one two, two, three. three. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.